Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. What is important in life? Usually where that happens is a funeral. Yeah, that's the way life is. See, if it's close to you, it gets your attention. If it's far away, we're so used to it, it doesn't matter anymore. But I want to say to you this morning, first things first, where are you spiritually? Don't expect your marriage to be right with God if you two as individuals have bitterness against each other or you're cheating on each other. Get your life right with God, the rest will come. So that's where I deal from. So if you come in counseling, don't be surprised. It's going to come right to you first. If you think about it, our lives are full of material possessions. Many of these possessions possess us. We take the time effort and sometimes money to buy new, to upgrade, to polish, to refinish, or to replace. But consider this, if we gave the people in our lives even half the time and attention as we do our material possessions, where would that leave us? Pastor Mark will take the time to encourage us today to not put things above people, to put down our gadgets and things that distract us, and use that time and effort to get to know someone, to minister to someone to make a new friend, to reach out to someone in need. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. I'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2, verse 4, as we join him for our continuing study entitled, First Things First. time at the soccer field with your kids, taking a walk, bringing them to Sunday school, living the life. You see, we look at these guys and say, well, I would never let my wife, for 10 bucks, no way, I would never, you know, no way, people are important to me. Are they? Are your kids important to you? Are they really important to you? Then you need to spend time with them. Mom and dad, you need to be a friend to your children. It should be there. And I think it's important for all of us as we look out that things don't become more important than people. It's very easy to happen. Don't put things ever before people in your life. We spend so much time with things. Some of you have no friends here. I already mentioned that, but you have no friends here. You haven't put yourself out. When you go home this afternoon, invite somebody over for dinner. Go and get three Whoppers or whatever, and who cares? And sit down and meet a friend. Don't be lonely. And these guys were on the roof. They're tearing up the roof. You see, the roof didn't matter. Their friend mattered. It was important. Put yourself in that place. (laughs) We're here. All of a sudden, you hear this. I imagine Jesus went, hello. What's happening here? See, Jesus is going to be totally interrupted in his service. That's okay. He can handle it. Sometimes God will interrupt us right in the middle of something we think is important or something more important. So they're hearing this. And here we have all of you people. You're there. And you have the Pharisees. You've got to, got to picture it. They're there with their holy robes clean. And pretty soon, as you can imagine, from up above, you see these dust particles. And then twigs, boom, 
And all this stuff is coming. The Pharisees are going like this. I love it. And pretty soon you see this little hole. And you can see the sky. And then a skylight the size of a body. And then, we don't know how. We have no idea how. Through bed bedding or whatever, this man is lowered in front of Jesus. On his back, as always. Looking up, I thought when I studied, I got up this morning and just we worked a couple of things. I thought this is really interesting. Always he'd been looking at a blank wall, ceiling up there. This morning he sees light. Something's different. He's excited. Something's going to happen in his life. So here he is. You got to picture the crowd. Can you see the four guys up on top? We did it. We did it. They defeated Satan. You see, Satan always wants to keep us from allowing people to reach Jesus. But these guys were determined friends. Whatever it took, they were going to see Jesus. Look at verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith. Whose faith? The four. The four guys' faith. See, we like to say we're faith people or whatever. We're not a faith church. We're, well, we believe in faith. Certainly, it's biblical. We, people will say, I have great faith. Well, James really gives us the answer to that. Show me your great faith. You see these guys, and sometimes we're good friends like that. Oh, I'll help you. And they call you in the middle of the night or whatever, and you go, well, yeah, it's a little inconvenient right now. And, you know, call me another time, and I'll help you. These guys, when it happened, they said, we'll do whatever it takes. Their faith had action. Their faith had feet to it. Their faith had some hands to it. They dug through the dirt. You see, if you're going to be a person of faith, you're going to be a person of action. Not just words. You're going to follow through. Some things are going to happen. And Jesus looked up and saw their faith. All the sweat and everything they went through. I believe when Jesus went up, he probably gave it one of these. And those guys sweat. It's worth it. It's worth it. There's things that are honorable as we see that happening there. Now, why did these guys have faith? Here's the reason they had faith. They believed that if they could get their friend to Jesus, Jesus could solve the friend's problem. Do you believe that? That whatever problem you have, or your friend has, a divorce, a separation, whatever problem you or your friend have, that if you can get them to Jesus, Jesus can take care of it. See, that was the faith these guys had. Sometimes I believe we sell Jesus short. We look at the circumstances and say, oh, not a chance. But most of us are miracles, aren't there? Somebody looked at us and went, not a chance. But we're here because somebody had faith enough to share with us. That's what Jesus did here. Look at continuing verse 5. Now Jesus is going to shock the crowd. He says to the paralytic who's laying in front of him, your son, your sins are forgiven. Now everybody in the room, you're the crowd, the four guys up on top, the paralytic, they're hoping for one thing, that Jesus is going to do what? Heal his body. That's why they brought him here. But Jesus says, wait a minute, time First things first. You see, you and I, our body, soul, will, mind, emotions, and spirit. The only real part of us is our spirit nature. 
the spirit man, the spirit woman, that's the part that's going to live eternally with God or separated from God. The body we have is not the real you and me. Aren't you glad? Plus, we're going to get a new one anyway. It's not the real you and me. And these people were looking at this twisted body. That's all they could look at. Jesus looked past the body to the spirit. And he says, time out. First things first. It shocked the people. I imagine it shocked the paralytic. It certainly shocked the four men up above. You see, Jesus knew the heart of the problem. Write this statement down, if you will. Man's greatest need is forgiveness of sin. Jesus knew that if he would have healed the man's body, this man would have walked out, certainly healed, but he would have walked away with his life still empty. So Jesus said, I'm going to do one better. I'm going to minister to your spiritual need, and when you leave, you'll have abundant life right here and eternal life with me forever. So it goes right to the heart of the problem, and the heart of the problem is the word sin. Now today, when you mention the word sin, there's a lot of reactions of people. We want to rename sin something else. We want to cover our sin. Hey, sin is sin. Whether it's in your life or my life, it doesn't matter. So the reason Jesus went to this problem was really two areas. Number one, we're born into sin. If you're a, if you're a people this morning, you're born into sin. The minute you were born, you have a sin nature. Now some of you say, well, that's unfair. I'll do better than Adam and Eve. Give me a break. No way. Because then we go to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2 says this. You who were once dead in your trespasses and sins. So it gives us two more little definitions of sin. The first would be like this. I have a big hoop up here this morning. And I'd ask you from the back to start throwing, you know, tennis ball through there. How many think you could do it 100 out of every 100 times? Not a chance. So when you would fall short with that, you would miss the mark. You would miss the mark. Did you get it? I relate to sin somehow or whatever. Well, that first word sin in Ephesians is missing the mark. It means I didn't mean to miss it. I tried to do right, but I'm not perfect, and I just missed the mark. How many know how that feels? We don't want to sin. We want to do right, but we blow it, don't we? We miss the mark. That's the first type of sin. The second type of sin mentioned in that verse is trespass. That's the person at the back of the room and says, God says to do what? Go through here? Forget it. I don't care what God says. I'm doing my own thing. It's trespass. It's a deliberate rejection of God's laws. We have those people too. Not the ones who just want to do right but can't be perfect, as all of us are, but those who don't care a thing about God. Maybe that's you this morning. So see, the scripture says you're dead in either one of those areas. You're dead. Because the wages of sin is death. It would require somebody who could hit the mark every single time. That was Jesus. He would die on a cross so that you and I could be right. So Jesus says, there's a problem here. I'm going right for the sin issue. It's the heart of the problem. So he offers this man forgiveness of sins. He says, First thing first, 
And here's something you need to remember quickly. Every other need in your life is secondary to forgiveness of sin. Every other area. Here's what happens. For all the years I've been counseling, it it really never changes. People come in and they they want to talk about their separation, their divorce, their their physical need, their hurting, the kids, uh, finances, anger, bitterness, whatever. It doesn't matter. All of these issues, and they're all valid issues because we all hurt. I have some of those issues in my life that I have to deal with. But the first thing I will say to them is this. Where are you in relationship to God? Because the very first thing that has to be settled is your relationship with God. Seek me first. Seek the kingdom of God first. And then all these other side issues will what? They'll just, my translation of that is, they'll just all fall into place the way God wanted. Now don't be misconceived that everything will be perfect in your life. That's a false gospel. When you come to Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven, but we still live in a world that's filled with a lot of stuff. And everything isn't perfect. We still struggle. We still sin. Things don't go perfect. You get up in the morning, you have a flat tire or whatever. That's just the way life is. But all of those things will give you God's peace. So when you're thinking about your life this morning, and you're maybe you're that person that's the one that's desperate. There's those areas there. I want to bring you back to first things first. How's your relationship with God? Sometimes God lays us out to get our attention. Because we spend no time with Him. And he wants to go, hello, is anybody home? And we have to stop and think, yes, what is important in life? Usually where that happens is a funeral. Yeah, that's the way life is. See, if it's close to you, it gets your attention. If it's far away, we're so used to it, it doesn't matter anymore. But I want to say to you this morning, first things first, where are you spiritually? Don't expect your marriage to be right with God if you two as individuals have bitterness against each other. Or you're cheating on each other. Whatever. Get your life right with God. The rest will come. So that's where I deal from. So if you come in counseling, don't be surprised. He's going to come right to you first. We don't teach psychology. We teach the Word of God. The Word of God says, serve Him first. Then love your neighbor and everything else falls into place. And we'll try to help you and minister to you in that area of need. Now we come to the fourth kind of person <laughs> in our story this morning. It's called the doubter. Look at verse 6. The doubters. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves. Now, notice, they're thinking to themselves. Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? I like what Hughes says. As he looks in the room, he sees a paralytic on the floor. Hughes says this, the real paralytics in the room were the Pharisees. Isn't that great? These are the guys that loved sin. They love to say to you, here's 600 plus commandments, how you do it? I know you're not doing good, you're a louse. You didn't like to go to church there because all you would hear was you're not good enough, you're not good enough, you're not good enough, you'll never make it, you'll never make it, you'll never make it. Don't heal on the Sabbath, what's wrong with you? How can you pick corn here? What's wrong with you, Jesus? Always complaining, always into the law. And the law kills. And so the real paralyzed people there were the Pharisees. So really what you have here is these guys thinking to themselves, and here's their logic. Follow their logic quickly. Number one, Jesus is claiming the power to forgive sin. Only God can forgive sin. So Jesus is claiming to be God. Right. Their logic was right. They didn't believe it. So Jesus is going to say to them, I'm going to show you. 
You got the logic right. I know you don't believe it, but watch what they're doing all this. They're thinking all these things. Look at verse 8. Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? You think that shocked them? Hello. What if just in the last 20 minutes, I picked five of you out random, put your name up, and I put up here on the overhead what you've been thinking? You'd never come back to church. <laughs> None of us would. So Jesus is there and he's looking out at these people. He goes, hmm. And he says what they're thinking. I'm sure they're going, whoa. You see, Jesus, I believe, had a word of knowledge at that point. God instructed him, here's what these guys are thinking. It shocked them. They should have begun thinking, this is not a normal man. Something's happening here. So look what he's going to say to them as he does this. By the way, there is nothing hidden from God. Whatever you've been thinking this morning is not hidden from God. Scripture in Hebrews tells us nothing is hidden from his sight. Everything is uncovered, and we will give an account for that at Judgment Day. Verse 9, so Jesus says this, Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, take your mat, and walk? What's well, a great question, and you have to realize that for God, none of it was impossible. It was all easy, but really, the easy thing to say is, Your sins are forgiven. Hey, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Now, who's going to doubt that? I can say whatever I want because you can't see sins being forgiven. It's an inward work. Now, let me just say this, that after you serve God for a while, I can tell whether or not you're a Christian because fruits of repentance. We have a lot of people that have heard a false gospel that are going to be really discouraged on Judgment Day because they're not going to be born-again Christians. They've heard somebody come say, come down the aisle, sign the card, be a member, do this, do that. And they go out and live their life exactly as they did before they came to God. That is not a conversion. That's nothing but man's kind of way of getting right with God, and it isn't right. So I can't tell you this morning when people come and accept the Lord Jesus Christ, I can't say to you, I can't see into your heart that God's forgiven you. A few months from now, I can see that. Even though God has done it instantaneously, I can't see it. These people couldn't see it. So Jesus knew that. So he says, okay, I'm going to do the hard thing for you. The easy thing is to say his sins are forgiven, which they already were. Look what Jesus says, I'm going to do the hard thing for you. And he says it in verse 10. But that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on the earth to forgive sin. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. So Jesus says, let me prove it to you. This man, when he gets up, you're going to see that I have the authority. It's going to be evidence right in front of your eyes. The man who's laying here crippled, he's going to get up, he's going to walk out of this building, and that's going to say to you, the man who has the authority to heal is also the man who had the authority to forgive sins. Let's look at verse 12. He got up, he took his mat, and he walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, Man, we have never seen anything like this. By the way, do you think they made room for him as he uh, walked out that time? You better believe it. Now let's look as we close this morning to four different groups to see what happened at the end of the story. The first group we have is the determined friends. Maybe that's you today. Where are the determined friends at the end of the story? They're on the roof, sweaty, sore, dirty nails, and they got this huge hole to fix. But they're happy. 
I believe, it's not without a doubt, I mean, you don't know, but I believe this guy that was a paralytic got up, walked to the front of the place, walked over here like this, walked to the back of the building, walked up to the side of the room and said, guys, let's get the hole fixed. Yes, proof. You see, it's going to cost you something, but it's worth it. They didn't have to carry anybody home. In fact, they probably all kind of flew home because they were happy. Second, the crowd is here. They've seen this miracle. They're onlookers. They're uninvolved. They're spectators. Maybe like you this morning. What does that say to them? Well, I believe the first thing he did is challenge them to get their friends here to get touched by Jesus. I hope it's challenged you this morning. You see, I believe when they saw this man leave, they probably thought of a neighbor or a relative or a friend that was paralyzed in some way and they could have brought him, but they were too selfish to do that. They only came themselves and they have isolated their lives. They weren't a friend. They were just a crowd. Is that you this morning? When's the last time you walked by your neighbor's house and prayed for them as you walked down? Don't go up to their house and start anointing it. Don't be weird. Pray for them. As you're jogging, God, give me an opportunity to be a good neighbor, to say hi, to invite them to church. The place at work, same way. You see, if you're going to be an onlooker, you're always going to see somebody else's excitement. How about being the four friends this morning? Watch your friend come to Jesus. Nothing better. So I believe they were there. I also believe there was people in the crowd that left the same way, as some of you will do this morning. Yeah, nice sermon. Your life won't change. But if you keep coming, you'll get it. Just keep coming. Lots of people are getting it. Just keep coming. Now we have the religious people, the doubters. How did they leave? Same. They're frowning. They're moaning. Who is this Jesus guy? This is going to be a threat to our religion. You better believe it. And they leave unchanged. Religion always blinds you to the truth. Don't get tied up in religion. And then we come to the desperate man. He leaves. Is he desperate any longer? No, he's met Jesus. And when he leaves, he's whole. He goes home. He has no idea what's going to face him at home. Think about this, guys. We don't know if he was married. If Now he probably he couldn't have ever worked before. Now he's got to go look for a job. How am I going to handle this? What's going to happen? He's got all these new set of problems. But first things first. He knows God. His body's healed. The rest of things will fall into place. Now, as I close, I want to say this to you this morning. This paralytic heard four words. They're the greatest four words you can ever hear in your life. Your sins are forgiven. It's the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life because there was no way for me to have my sins forgiven other than Jesus Christ. When my kids, both of my children, accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, greatest day of Linda and I life to see that. See, that's what we're here for, because the only thing we take with us is people. These chairs, all the buildings, all our homes, it's all gone. It's people. Your family, your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors, your people in the soccer field, they need to know Jesus. Let me ask you this morning, have you ever heard Jesus say that to you? Your sins are forgiven. For years and years, we've been told to get our priorities straight. But what should our priorities look like as believers? Well, we were reminded today that God comes first, then others second. Christians are not to be selfish people. They're to be selfless. They are to consider the needs of others before their own. 
They need to operate in this life based upon the truth of God's Word. Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series the next time you join us. For those of you that like to have CD archives of Bible teachings, we'd like to offer you a CD of Pastor Mark's message from today. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5. This is only to cover the materials and shipping it takes for you to receive your CD. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option. Now, here's Josh with today's message number and title. Thanks. The message number from today's broadcast is MB3116. And the title of today's message is First Things First. Again, today's message number for ordering purposes is MB3116. And the title of this message is First Things First. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time here on Lessons for Living as we'll discover that life without Jesus is empty. You see, we all have a void in our lives, whether we know it or not. There's only one thing that can fill that void. Now, most people try to fill it with goals, careers, the pursuit of money or fame. But once you've allowed Jesus to take up that place in your heart, you'll know what it feels like to be whole. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue sharing with us from the Gospel of Mark. That's next time on Lessons for Living. 